Hey guys, it's Leisha and Kenny here, and welcome back to another Not Me, Not Today shorty. Hello, and hello to everyone, wherever you are in the world. I hope you're all well, happy and healthy as we make our way further into the new year. How are you? I'm feeling pretty good, thank you. Just looking forward to this year. I hope it's better than the last one. I have things that I really need to get done this year. How are you? I'm good. Also ready to be super productive this year. I've really enjoyed our last few stories, even if last week's was a bit dark and intense. Well, I say a bit dark, very dark. I'm looking forward to this episode. It's a shorty, the first shorty of the year, and that leaves me with one question. Leisha, what's the shorty? Today's shorty is about Poon Lim, a Chinese sailor who survived out at sea on a life raft for 133 days in the South Atlantic Ocean in 1942. Well, all right, all right, all right. That sounds good. Let's do this. (laughs) Poon Lim was born on the 8th of March 1918 in Henan, China. This was before China's one-child policy, which wasn't brought in until the late 70s or 80s, so Poon had brothers. It was thanks to these brothers that Poon received an education. They sent money back home from their jobs to help him have as good a start to life as they could. Many cultures still do this. Indeed they do. So, Poon was able to attend school and got an education, which wasn't common for other children his age. As time went on, Poon turned 16 and his father sent him to work with his brother on a British passenger freight to work as a cabin boy. Even with his education? Well, I don't know the true extent of his education. Considering he's only 16, it's probably not like he had a degree or anything. Besides, the Japanese at the time were getting increasingly close to China and there were rumblings of an invasion of some sort. So, to remove the chances of him being drafted and killed, he was sent to work with the brother on the ship. He really didn't like it there. The conditions for the Chinese workers were appalling. They got the worst cabins, the worst food, and the worst jobs. There was even a joke amongst the Chinese that said, well, at least they're not beating us. Jeez. Yeah, it was rough. After a while, Poon grew tired of it and left to go back to China. He tried to go to college to become a mechanic, and he stayed for six months before he got another call from his cousin. The conditions were better. They were getting better paid, better jobs, and better food. He convinced Poon to come back. But why? Was everything suddenly better? Was he lying or were things actually improving? Well, actually, the Chinese sailors eventually began to outnumber the British sailors because the British were being drafted for World War II as it loomed on the horizon. So, Poon agreed and joined his cousin aboard that ship. Not a tourist ship anymore then? Nope. He was now on an armed ship called Ben Lomond. It was a slow-moving ship making its way from Cape Town to Suriname. It was then to move on to New York. It was sailing completely alone and had no guard ships around it. On November 23rd, 1942, a German submarine U-172 intercepted them and shot two torpedoes. They were located 750 miles east of Brazil, and the ship sank 250 miles to the nearest land. It took two minutes for that ship to sink. Wow, two minutes. Can you imagine that? One second you're on your way to Suriname and almost within sight of the shore and it blows up and sinks within two minutes. That's 120 seconds. That is crazy quick. You barely have time to process what's happening. So it was the submarine that was 750 miles off the coast? Yes. Wow. Two torpedoes travelling 500 miles. I know, right? It's a long distance. Or at least to me it is. As the ship was sinking, Lim grabbed a life jacket and jumped overboard. Lucky he did that too as shortly afterwards, the ship's boilers exploded. Initially... There were only six survivors from the blast. Poon Lim was now floating amongst the chaos in the Atlantic Ocean. He spent two hours in the water, floating, looking for some sort of help or ability to get himself out of the water and to safety. And finally, 
he found an eight-foot square wooden raft and climbed onto it. Well, that's pretty handy. Indeed it was. Probably left over from the ship. I can't imagine the ridiculous luck that would be if it wasn't left over from the ship and was just a random floating raft going by. Like there's hundreds of them out there floating away for possible castaways. The raft itself had tins of biscuits, a 40-litre jug of water, some chocolate, a bag of sugar lumps, and two flares and a flashlight. That's like a castaway startup kit on that raft he found. That's some unbelievable luck. At least he's not starting from zero baseline. True. I wish I could even find out what was happening with this, but the information was so limited. Like, what are the chances you write floating in the ocean on a wooden raft that looks like, to be honest, it was put together on a desert island, was found floating in the water two hours after you jumped off the ship and it had all those supplies? Yeah, there definitely has to be more to that story. Too bad you couldn't find out what it was, though. Is he religious? Because if that was me, I'd definitely feel like it was a hand of God type thing. Yeah, I know, right? I have no idea whether he's religious or not. Considering the time, it was probably likely that he was. So, initially, Poon kept himself alive by eating the food and drinking the water left on the raft, as one would do. After that, he resorted to catching fish and rainwater. Well, at least he's got a container to put it in. True, although this is before plastic, so it's not like it's a big floating large plastic bottle. He used nails that he initially pulled out of floating wood and bent them into the shape of hooks to be able to catch some fish. He then used a canvas of the life jacket to be able to catch the rainwater to drink. So I imagine he just ate them all raw. I can imagine making a fire on a wooden life raft wouldn't be a very clever idea, even if he could do it. I don't know if he could, but he did make a knife from the lid of the biscuit tin. He would gut the fish and dry them out on a hemp line. Where would he get the hemp? I wondered that too, but figured at the time that the polyester and cotton weren't used in a lot of clothing. I figured it was probably more luxury clothing that was used. So I figured the hemp was from his uniform at the time. After a little bit of googling, I found out the uniforms were made of hemp, so that's probably where he got it. Ah. Anyway... He would then eat the fish. It's a step down from tin biscuits, but I'd rather that than starve to death. Agreed. Despite spending eight years working on ships, he was not a good swimmer. So he tied a rope around his wrist and to the boat in case he was ever to fall off. I bet Terry Joe wished she'd had that ability. Oh, I'm sure she did. The Atlantic Ocean, as we know, is rather an aggressive ocean and prone to many a storm, especially near the tropics and the equator, where Poon was floating. It nearly knocked him off his raft and he lost the fish he was drying, and it ruined the water with seawater. Poor Poon was now left without food and fresh water. He still had the raft though, didn't he? Yeah, he did, along with most of his supplies, but it was quite a setback. He relied on the rain to provide fresh water and the sun to dry out his fish. Now he had to catch water all over again, as well as clean out the canvas and remove all the salt as to not contaminate his next supply. The fish he was going to have to catch again and dry out. Can't he just dry that one out again? Maybe. Although maybe it takes a long time and maybe it risks decomposing now that it's wet. Yeah, that's probably a good shout. He managed to catch a bird and can you guess what he did with it? Ate its brains? <laughs> Close. Drank its blood? Yeah. He drank its blood to keep him hydrated. Blah. Did he not drink his own urine, the tangy trick to survive in dehydration? <laughs> but of course, he had a jug to save it in too. It was just less interesting than this bit. You want to know how he caught the birds? Oh yes, please. He caught them by taking seaweed from the water and making it to look like a nest. He would then take some fish and lay it open, smelling by the nest. And when they came down to get the food or get close to the nest, Poon would catch it and kill it. That's a great idea. Well, apparently he would also drink the spinal fluid of the things that he caught. Oh, that makes me recall more than the blood for some reason. Oh, gross, isn't it? Well, Poon then saw sharks. 
Before I was always told it'd be rare to see sharks, but most of these people that have survivor stories have sharks mentioned somewhere in them. They do, don't they? I thought the same thing. Maybe it's just more unlikely to be attacked by a shark, but you probably will see them. Anyway, Poon saw some sharks and figured he could probably catch one. It would provide him with a good portion of meat. So, using the remains of the bird that he drank the blood from, he attached it to the nail that he'd bent into the shape of a hook. He attached that to some rope and lowered it into the water. That would want to be some pretty strong rope. Well, he doubled in thickness just to make sure. He dipped the bird into the water and waited. It wasn't long before a shark took to the bait and the struggle ensued. Poon wrapped the braided rope around his fists. Ouch. He wrapped cloth around them first to minimise the damage caused by the rope. He did finally manage to bring the shark on board, but it was apparently small and only a couple of feet long. However, once he did manage to get the shark on board, it attacked him. So he used the water jog as a weapon to kill it. He filled it halfway with seawater to get some weight behind it. And once Poon killed the shark, he used the knife fashioned out of the biscuit tin to slice it open. He drank the blood from its liver and sliced open its fins to let them dry out in the sun. Did he use the skin to sandpaper down the raft to keep it looking fresh? <laughs> no, he didn't, but it would seem like something he'd do. Since he was so close to shore, though, did he not see any other ships? Not close enough to swim to shore or paddle, but surely other ships would have been around, even like fishing vessels. Ah, interesting thing here, actually. So he did see ships whilst he was out on the float. He was passed by a few different vessels. One of them even saw him. He actually saw the crew see him, and he shouted to them in English. Oh yeah, he worked on the British tourist freighter. Yes, so he spoke English. But they didn't stop, they just kept going. Why not? Through ignorance. He figured they probably thought he was a Japanese sailor, who, during World War II in this part of the world, were the enemy. Yeah, they could have taken him as a prisoner of war, though. Possibly. More they figured not, and he could just die there. I did see another theory online, by the way, when researching this, is that German U-boats, which were meant to be underwater vessels, apparently used to often set survivors as traps, which boats would stop to help, and those ships would then be blown up from underneath the water. Other boats passed him on too far out of the distance. Oh, that's clever. Not right, but clever. I think so too. Anyway, on one occasion, a squadron of US Navy patrol planes did see him. One of them flew down near Poon and dropped a buoyant marker in the water. Finally. Actually, not finally, because there was a storm and he was moved drastically off course. So again, he found himself lost and no one had any clue as to where he was. Apparently, even a German U-boat saw him at one point, but did nothing. Yeah, you definitely don't want to get picked up by those guys. I'd scowl and shake my fist. It's your fault I'm here in the first place. <laughs> On April 5th, 1943, Poon Lim was finally rescued. He'd noticed that the colour of the water had changed, and he was getting closer to land at this point. It was then that three Brazilian fishermen saw him and brought him back to shore when he floated into a bay. Not without snapping a few pictures first, though. Pictures of that will be put onto our Instagram and Facebook pages, so head to the show notes and be brought directly to those. He was brought to shore, having survived 133 days at sea alone. Wow. He had actually tried to count the days by tying knots into rope, but after he got past 30 days, he decided to count full moons instead. Would he have not have marked them into the wood with the biscuit lid knife? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe not in this case, as it blunts the knife. More like a shiver, really, though, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, also a little thing I almost forgot to mention. Do you remember I said that he wasn't a strong swimmer and tied himself to a rope and then to the boat in case he fell off? Yeah. Well, over time he became less afraid and got into the water and swam in it twice a day to keep his strength up and to make sure his muscles didn't atrophy. That's so cool. Isn't it just? It probably keeps your mind sharp as well. Probably. Anyway, when he was rescued, he was taken to Belém in Brazil, which was a small little village near the mouth of the Amazon River. 
Despite being at sea for 133 days in those elements, having to catch his own food, he walked off the boat with no assistance. He'd also only lost 20 pounds, which is a lot, but in comparison to his time there, not that much. I mean, Mauro Prosperi lost more weight in less time than Poon did. That's shy of two stone, isn't it? Yep. Mauro lost like 30 pounds. He did indeed. That's crazy. So, when Poon was brought to the hospital in Brazil, he remained there for four weeks to get his strength and health back, whilst the British consul arranged his transport back to Britain via Miami and New York. When he got back to the UK, King George VI bestowed to him the British Empire Medal, and the British Navy even put his ordeal into their books, incorporating his survival techniques. Later, he managed to emigrate to America, and initially he was denied the visa because their quota of Chinese had been met at the time, which, through my ignorance, I didn't even realise was a thing. But naturally, because of his fame, he was granted citizenship with the aid of Senator Warren Magnuson. Poon Lim lived in Brooklyn, New York, until he died on January 4th, 1991, at the age of 72. He did get married, but I'm afraid I couldn't find out to whom or when. However, I do know that he had four children, and all of them lived in the US until at least 1985. It's the only article I could find giving any information about his kids, and it was from 1985. There was, in fact, a book on Poon Lim's story, and he was interviewed by the author for it, so you know it's going to be good. The book is called Soul Survivor by Ruth McCunn. It was originally released in 1985, however, there have been a few revamps and releases with updates over time, once in 1999 and again in 2013. No movies, I'm afraid, which is a little surprising, but what you gonna do? As for documentaries, there aren't really any. I mean, there's a few interesting videos on YouTube, but it's definitely not the TV professional documentary. The longest video is about 10 minutes. Poon Lim was in the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest stint on a life raft at sea. Since then, there have been more people who've been longer out at sea, both of which we will cover, Alvarenga being the main one. I just haven't read his book yet, it's sitting on my bedside unread. <laughs> However, Poon Lim was the longest time on a life raft. The other two instances of survival were on boats. When told about him being a record breaker at the time, he said... I hope no one will ever break that record. And that is all I have in the story of Poon Lim, a Chinese sailor who survived 133 days on a life raft during World War II. Also, we have one listener, Daryl. Hey, Daryl. Who's very keen on us doing Alvarenga's story. <laughs> Indeed we do. I'm getting to it. As for Poon Lim, though, his story was great, and all the pictures will be available on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Links to those are in the show notes. Also, if you click share on our social media posts and pages, we'd really appreciate you sharing our stories with your friends, family, and countrymen. <laughs> if you want to submit your shorty suggestions, just send them over to notmeandnottodaypodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, stay alive. Bye. Bye. Not Me, Not Today Podcast. Shorty. Not me, not today podcast. Shorty.